Alrighty, and we're back with another episode of JR Takes. And Ryan beat the Commanders on Sunday, made yeah. Sam Howell. Uh, actually, he looked pretty good, but yeah. we, we uh, squeaked out a win in the end there. And it was all thanks to Gino and his game or game-winning drive due to a field goal, of course. But Jason Myers getting five of those bad boys on Sunday, right? Five. Yeah, five for five, and NFC Special Teams Player of the Week, actually. Yeah, he almost beat me in fantasy. He was making me sweat, even though I wanted us to win. He was also, like, kicking me in the balls simultaneously. He's part. So. He's a big part of the reason why I beat Colby in Jet City last <laughs> week. So, thank you, Jason. Yeah, yeah. Jason, you are you are loved amongst some of us for <laughs> some reasons. But, uh, yeah, no, we looked... Uh, we looked pretty good uh, towards the second half. The first half was a little rough on offense due to poor execution. But um, I feel like we just could not get out of our own way in that first half, and it's just a continuation of just dumb problems that our offense has had all season. You know, pre-snap penalties and holding. Like, just just stop. Come yeah, on, just stop. I want to. We'll kind of segue into this a little later. Mm-hmm. Want to talk about the game first, but we're one thing I noticed throughout the game is like we're not running the ball enough and yeah we we keep talking about that we can keep complaining about it and I was noticing on the Monday night game that the the Broncos are relying very heavily on the run game and we'll get to that eventually but um yeah it's just something that I want to see more is kind of weirdly enough saying this now feels bizarre but follow a game plan kind of more like the Broncos are doing because I feel like that's what we are good at as well. We would have been saying that like four or five weeks ago. I know. After they got beat by like the Dolphins. Like 70 to 20. To, to yeah. right now. It's that was like... the biggest ass whooping I've ever seen. Yeah. But uh, anywho, back to our game. It w- it started off like the first half, you know, we're, we're having just all sorts of, as I was just saying, just dumb mistakes on offense and shooting ourselves in the foot. Gino was not accurate in the first half receivers are for some reason it's absolutely mystifying that we keep doing this and it's different receivers that are doing it too but guys are just stopping mid-route jsn's done it once dk has done it once both those times either resulted in, in an interception or almost resulted in an interception and noah fant did it again against the commanders and you look at that play and you're like how is gino that inaccurate that p carroll came out and said that that was not what was happening there you just have guys that are trying to improvise their routes right at the top of their route when they're not supposed to be and just making, you know, like poor choices that are affecting Gino's play. But Gino had to win that game for us kind of twice. He goes down there and hits Tyler Lockett on a beautiful uh, sprint out to the right, just throwing it where only Tyler and his tiny little baby hands can catch it. And he just vintage Tyler Lockett, man. That guy is such a weapon in the red zone still, even at age 31, 32, whatever it is that he's at right now. And then the defense, you know, they they played a pretty solid first half, I thought. Um, Sam Howell made some excellent throws and escapes. And, you know, we've we've spoke highly about Sam on this podcast for mm-hmm. g- going on two years now. I think we're the OG, like, in Sam we trust. We have been Sam-pilled since day one, <laughs> to, be, to be sure. And uh, he was really the, the main thing on the commanders that kept them in this game, I think. Because the commander's defense, 
it's nothing special. It's probably one of the weaker units in the league, and he had to put up him being Sam. Like He had to put up 30 points to win this game against us on the road. That's I, a tough ask. It made me realize that they have a lot of good skill players on their team. Like Antonio Gibson even kind of had a really good game, and he doesn't really – he's not really like – you say that name and you look at the production and he's like kind of a, a mid-tier back, kind of the middle of the pack. But him and Brian Robinson, along with those receivers, I'm kind of not surprised they put up 26 and it made it down to the last second. like field Yeah, I think that's game. a very underrated running back duo, Robinson and Gibson there. Mm-hmm. Both guys have produced very well at the NFL and uh, you think of just that first drive where Sam, it looks like Jamal Adams is going to have him dead to rights, which, by the way, Jamal, what is going on, man? <laughs> Wrap up, dude. Like, this is pissing me off how many tackles he missed in that game. And he's a great player, and he had a huge play for us to beat the Browns. Like, I'm not I'm not saying – I'm not suddenly a – anti-Jamal guy but you gotta just wrap up dude like you don't need to take their heads off I know sometimes I think he's maybe a little bit too explosive I I think a lot of people have uh maybe wondered that or come to that conclusion I guess um that he maybe is a little too explosive for his own good yeah Um, I think he needs to just watch what Bobby's doing more because Bobby (laughs) does I think Bobby has like the most tackles in coverage this year out of any defensive player he does every year it seems like yeah and he's he doesn't he seems to stay pretty healthy for being in contact that many times with the offensive players so yeah i think a lot of that just speaks to you know what how special of a player he is he's a first ballot hall of famer without a doubt and he keeps himself in really good shape i mean he's still got absolute just anaconda biceps <laughs> at age 30 whatever so yeah. he's he's just as rocked up as he was a, as a rookie and uh yeah sam just basically made that first play happen getting out of that tackle and then throwing a pretty good dart to robinson who just houses it it was so weird too that play happened they were going uh from what north to south on that play and then mm. they did it later on in the game and it was the exact same play except they were going south to north yeah and it was same player even i believe it was robinson it was. both plays it was and it was that like little sidearm to the sideline where like three players were like kind of in that zone coverage area where none of them are on him but they're all surrounding him right it just it i mean maybe watching the game it doesn't seem like that impressive of a throw but it, it's there's a small window on that, mm-hmm. even though the guy, as you were saying, isn't right up on Robinson. But if you don't squeeze it in that, you know, honey hole or whatever they call it, that's potentially an interception. And he did that. He pulled that off twice against us. And then you think about the throw to Gibson. Boya Mafe hit his arm on that play. I don't mm-hmm. know if you noticed. Which seven sacks in a row, by the way. We got yes. a little shout out. Shout to out. Boye Mafe, that's the new <clears throat> franchise record, actually. So the guy is just die. <laughs> uh, the guy is just absolutely taking a leap here in his second year, and you know people aren't. He's not going to be because no one talks about Boye Mafe in the media, but he's playing at an All Pro level. He yeah. is right up there with Micah Parsons and players like that. I'm kind of okay with that, though. I I. As I've learned, I've learned as a Seahawks fan, I kind of like when our players don't get talked about. I feel like it makes them mad, and then they play well. Like, yeah. Because you talk about uh, 
what's his name? Um, Michael Bennett in the media now. He's even mentioned that. And so I just, yeah, I think it's kind of cool. I like that we're sliding under the radar, underdogs and, and whatnot. That I always prefer to be in that situation as opposed to being the favorite just because I – with you know, 13 years now of watching Pete Carroll coach teams, we seem to perform better. Mm-hmm. And I know that's not something we can really like, you know, objectively, you know, br- bring stats out other than just wins and losses and like what the right. biggest bet line was. But it's just something you see and you feel, and it seems to be a, a reality with, yeah, with it, our team. Yeah, it's the eye test. You trust the eye test. Sometimes you just have to. So that's it's like something people throw out there that just sounds dumb on its face, but you gotta trust your eyes, you know. Like when you like, for example, one of the dumbest statistics I think there is in football is QBR quarterback rating. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you why. In 2018, you know who number one in QBR was? Was it like Mitch Trubisky? It was Mitch Trubisky. So did he make you go. the Pro Bowl? I think so. Yeah. Trust your eyes, people. Yeah, that was. <laughs> that's, that's all I gotta say. But yeah, and uh, one last point about Sam Sammy Howell. Uh, the last touchdown he threw to I don't even know the guy's name. He was like their, Curtis Samuel. I don't think it was. It was like their fourth or fifth option hmm. in the receiver room because it wasn't Dotson, it wasn't McLaurin. We really held their top guys in check. Yeah, Dotson coverage. didn't have a catch. Yeah, Witherspoon played another great game, forced mm-hmm. a fumble. But uh, that throw Sam made, like, just about two or three inches over Witherspoon's fingertips between, like, four Seahawks, that was that was a really impressive play there. I'm shocked that no one is as high on him as he's playing because he's leading the league in pass yards, and he, he's, he's a playmaker. He is. He is making some things out of nothing. And he's doing the things that he was doing at North Carolina too. It's not like like it, I feel like for whatever reason because his last year that team wasn't very good. He just totally fell off the radar. Mm-hmm. But you know, after his, I believe sophomore or freshman season, people were talking about him as a, a top ten pick. And then the next year didn't go as well, so he just kind of like fell by the wayside. But I never understood like like Kenny Pickett like. Watch the way Kenny Pickett plays football and watch Sam's college tape and tell me you think Kenny Pickett is more impressed. I just don't. I never got it. I never got it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not I'm not going to be one to uh, fight alongside the Kenny Pickett argument. That's... I saw something the other day that uh, since 2022, the start of the season, Matt Ryan, who is a retired commentator, has more passing touchdowns than Kenny Pickett. <laughs> 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 just... Just, just throwing that out there. Yeah, and just, I mean, again, the eye test. I look at Kenny Pickett and watch him play, and I know we kind of talked about lefties looking kind of gross because it's, like, not what we're used to seeing. It just um, looks weird. So it just looks weird. But, like, when I watch him play, it also just looks weird. It just looks it, ugly. Yeah, it, it's It like, looks putrid. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, I hate watching the Steelers play football under Kenny Pickett. It's It's... It's repulsive. Well, and, and you know that they've been outgained in every win they've had this season. Correct? Yeah, they have negative fifty net points, and they're six and three. <laughs> it makes maybe it's not negative fifty, but it is in the negative, and they're six and three. It makes no sense. Mike Tomlin just defies all laws of football physics when he coaches, or something. I don't know what the fuck is going uh, on. I am not looking forward to playing them. It's going to be <laughs> such an ugly game. 
I think we will win that game, but anyways, that that's a little that's going a little too far down the line now. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, I think, you know, the best way I can talk about this Commanders game is we got out of our own way and we took care of business and Gino showed up when he needed to. Cuz we were watching this game and I remember just after the first half thinking, man, Gino is playing fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. And then in the fourth quarter, he really comes alive, and all of a sudden, you look at the stat sheet. The guy's thrown for 370 yards and two touchdowns. I know. It's so weird. It did not drive. feel like that It didn't all. feel like it at all. And, you know, part of that was the Kenneth Walker huge uh, screenplay mm-hmm. where he just takes a check down to the house, and that just shows the home run ability. This, this offense just has so many weapons, and I feel like sooner or later, they're going to start clicking together. And on the defensive side of the ball, there's there's you know young players in the secondary, but we have the addition of Leonard Williams, and there's just there's some new parts that are still kind of trying to find a way to fit together. And mm-hmm. I, I still believe in the potential of this team, but um, I would say to just kind of put a pin in this Commanders game, we are into the gauntlet stretch of our schedule, and yeah. I know people might be looking at next Thursday against the 49ers is the beginning of that. I think it starts right now because we're playing Sean McVay and the LA Rams. This is a team that has had our number forever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's certainly as long as he's been the head coach and they whooped our fucking ass to start the year. Yeah, but they, I, they won't have their starting running back this year or no. this go around. And I, if I remember correctly, he ran all over us week one. Didn't he get a couple touchdowns yeah, on us? He, yeah, he was very effective in the red zone, but we held them to like three yards a carry, um, something that we are not doing anymore, by the way. A mm-hmm. lot of that is because of the Ravens game, though. That that All of our team average stats just got thrown in the toilet because of that Ravens game. Yeah, that Ravens game is weird, and I I think the, the 17-1 and one against the NFC teams makes me feel a lot better about that because that just goes to show – like Lamar Jackson is so unique and his, yeah. th- the way he plays the game <clears throat> is so unlike anyone else that if you are not used to playing against that, then you're in for a rude awakening nine times out of 10 and or, seven, or 17 way. times out of 18. That's a perfect way to sum it up Yeah, because you're, you're exactly spot on. There's not another player like that. There's not another offense like that. And uh, the scheme they run on defense there is very unique as well. Mm-hmm. So it's they're a tough outing if you're not used to it for sure. I mean, even if you are used to it, it's not going to be easy. I mean, maybe this year the Chiefs will just knock them off again, or the Bengals will. But I don't know. They just look better than they have in years past. And Lamar Jackson is making more of the throws, the contested throws that I haven't seen him make in in years past. Yeah, he's certainly developing more as a passer as the years go by. Go by. <laughs> But uh, a lot of things have changed from week one to now, mm-hmm. going back to the Rams. Most notably, and I think the biggest factor, is we didn't have Devin Witherspoon week one. You know, we're playing Mike, Jan- Mike Jackson, and Trey Brown had a terrible game week one as well. He's, mm-hmm. been, he's been playing lights out ever since that, that first game. So our defense is totally different. We have Leonard Williams. We, we have the pieces to, to hang with these guys. And Matt Stafford... We'll be coming back off an injury unless something happens between now and Sunday. But he's thrown with a weird little cast on his thumb. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm i not going to be one to doubt Matt Stafford. We have yet to beat him in a Rams uniform. Right. 
but uh, this is a must win. We, uh, if we win this game, we basically have the playoff spot wrapped up. Not the division, but a playoff spot because you look at the dynamic of the conference right now. We've mm-hmm. pushed the Rams back to three and seven, so they're virtually dead. All the NFC South is hovering around four and five, five and five, somewhere in there, and they all got to play each other. So they're going to kind of push themselves out of it. I think right now the playoff teams as they exist in the NFC are going to be the playoff teams because the Vikings at 6-4 and four with Josh Dobbs, they've really come back to life. They've looked like a playoff-level football team the last couple of weeks here. Yeah, Josh Dobbs is like my new favorite player. <laughs> he's just so fun to watch, and he's after learning that he was like an intern at NASA for aerodyne engineering or some i don't even know what it was but it's like really fucking impressive that he can do that and be a professional quarterback like it's pretty awesome (laughs) yeah it's an amazing story and the fact that he's been on three teams this season and we're barely halfway through the season is just so bonkers and you gotta think what if the browns just hadn't traded him where where would we be at right now in like like what is the Browns coaching staff doing if they think that P.J. Walker is a better player than Josh Dobbs? So funny. The Browns think they finally get their franchise quarterback, and it's like the most cursed contract they could have ever signed. Like It's worse than drafting and missing all those years. It's like, yeah. It's almost like a— It's worse than the picks that they gave up to trade for him, I think, because you know what his cap hit is next year and the year after, both years? $63 million. Yeah, see, that's like, insanity. <laughs> I don't know how you build a team when you're putting, you know, like 60% of a billion dollars or of a whatever. Like you're putting a shitload of money <laughs> uh, towards one player. Like how yeah. the fuck? Yeah, no, it's 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 not a good uh, business model. That's, that's for sure. It's not the way that a smart organization does business. No. Which is why the Browns have sucked eternally, <laughs> and it's it's. I feel bad for them because they have a fan. They have a championship level defense, and they yeah. got they have some really good playmakers on offense as well. So it's like you look at this team, and you're like, man, they're just a quarterback away. Oh, they just sold the farm for a quarterback. Oh, they traded the quarterback that they drafted number one overall, who's playing better than jo- uh, Deshaun Watson has been. So it, it's a mess of their own making, though. And did they draft C.J. Stroud with uh, the Texans pick, um, or did the Texans draft him with the? No, I think the Texans drafted C.J. Stroud with the pick that they traded up with with the Cardinals last year. Okay, because it was two and three. They got. Um, well, I can't remember his name. No, they had, no they had two because then they traded up to get Will Anderson. They drafted Will Anderson number two overall. Oh, they did. Yeah, and then they trade. The Cardinals had the third pick because oh. the Cardinals have the Texans' first round pick this year. Right. Okay. So yeah, um, but anyway. yeah, the the Browns have just they've made the wrong decision at every turn with that position. Yeah, yeah, they are. They are Browns are gonna brown, but <laughs> um, yeah. Before we, or I guess, do you want to make the uh, the predictions of the game and then we'll yeah, talk about yeah. russ and the broncos for for a brief moment yeah i know i know we've kind of bounced all over the place on this podcast but there's there's things that need to be talked about <laughs> i think that this is going to be a terrible game to watch for most of the game 
Um, I don't think we're going to solve all of our problems just yet, but I do think we're going to pull it off. I see a 23-21 kind of victory where mm-hmm. it, it might be similar to how we beat the Browns and the Commanders last week where it just it takes a game-winning drive. Uh, it's going to be tough. It, this is going to be a tough game. The, yeah. The only way it ends up being a comfortable win for us is if Stafford throws like three picks, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it'll be a I think it'll be a slugfest somewhere in the mid twenties, similar to the Commanders game. I'm gonna say like a twenty twenty seven twenty four victory. Uh, with I'm gonna say a, a a touchdown late and then a, def- a defensive hold on our part. I would love to see that because we haven't really won a game with a defensive hold this season. Yeah, and so it's, I don't really count when the other team gets the ball back with like twenty two seconds. Yeah. Know, like, yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping, hoping we can pull it out there. I think we will, though. I think we we usually split. It's it's very rare for a good Pete Carroll team to get swept by a team that isn't like elite. Yeah, I agree. And it's just it's a totally different dynamic than than Week One. And I think we remember Week One and we're not happy about it. Yeah. So yeah. I think we'll pull it off, but. We got to talk about our our ex yeah. a little bit here in Russell Wilson because I think it's very fascinating the way the Broncos have pulled off three wins in a row here using a formula that's very familiar to those that you know watched Pacific Northwest Seattle football for years where you run the ball about 30 times a game, you throw the ball 20, 25 times a game, set up play action, make big plays on third down, and play ball control. Does that not sound pretty familiar? Yeah. That's exactly what we did with Russell for so many years. And I feel like with this age of social media actually getting to the players' direct feed on their phones, I think Russell really did buy into the Let Russ Cook movement on on social media. And I think that has a big uh, chunk of the reason why he's not on our team anymore. Austin, you should pull up the Mr. Unlimited video um, that Russell, if you can find it on YouTube. Do we have to? <laughs> do, do I have to see that? <laughs> I just, ESPN posted that video uh, the uh, on Tuesday after they beat Buffalo. And it's just like, that is the most trolling video to like post of all time, <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> but on the one hand, I am actually, okay. Okay. So, yeah, that throw in the back of the end zone to Cortland Sutton. I believe, now granted this is next-gen next stats. I don't know how they calculate this. But oh, that, I saw. that unseated his throw to Lockett against the Rams in 2019 as the most improbable completion in the next-gen stats era. I wonder what equation is the, is. Whoa. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure how they do it, but it, it's one of those things that, again, matches the eye test for sure. Yeah. And I think it is kind of cool that Wilson has the two most improbable completions in next-gen stats era, like, yeah. history. It's, it certainly shows you he's got that that pinpoint accurate. It's still there. Yeah. You know, it's just – I mean – there are seasons in the NFL that are sometimes just anomalies. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, mm-hmm. weird things happen. I mean, this whole season is, has been a roller coaster of stuff we've never seen before mixed with, like, 
injuries and and all the all of that so i mean i think it seemed like the bills this year is the epitome of 2023 nfl weird fuckery because on almost every advanced metric on offense they are top three they are a fucking awesome offense they're performing so well and they're just turning they're getting these fluky turnovers and fumbles and just like weird mistakes at such an anomalous rate it Mm -hmm. doesn't even make sense the bills i think are still like a top 10 borderline top five team in the nfl right now but they might not make the playoffs because of weird shit that makes no sense yeah and like there's there's so many things like that happening this year you know like last week or the week before we were looking at the interception leaders for quarterbacks and it was hurts mahomes and josh allen Mm -hmm. tied at the top those are like three of the best quarterbacks in football. So this this has just been a strange year. I think it's been a strange last couple of years in football. We're we're seeing a sort of a defensive renaissance. I want to say I know I know some people just think it's bad quarterback play, but I think quarterbacks play worse when they're confused. Yeah, um, the Bills the Bills are an interesting team. They're I feel like the Bills are a team that we've never really seen have their backs up against the wall like this before they've always just been kind of running their division since the patriots lost tom brady yeah pretty much so i'm kind of looking forward to seeing how the bills sort of handle adversity you already saw they fired their offense coordinator so it's it'll be interesting other than like around the league more than just the seahawks and what we can do i kind of don't get the move of fire firing ken dorsey because it's not like their offense was performing bad they were just like is ken dorsey making ken james cook fumble is or ken, gabe or, davis suck yeah or just like <laughs> because a lot of josh allen's interceptions are bouncing off of receivers hands yeah that's, that's not an offensive coordinator problem i know i just i i don't know i i think they're just they just wanted a scapegoat and yeah so they chose him it's like surprising it wasn't sean mcdermott given that he's a defensive coach yeah. defensive minded coach and yeah, their defense is the one who let Russell Wilson march down the field on them with the game on the line. Yeah, they let Russ cook. They did. <sighs> they should be embarrassed. And just to put a pin in the Russell Wilson conversation, I think it's just his story of the last three, four years, I think is just the ultimate story of hubris and a guy buying into his own hype too much and forgetting who he is as a mm-hmm. player, as a quarterback, and maybe as a person too because – you know, Russell Wilson, when he came here to Seattle, was a humble, ultimate competitor, super hard worker, mobile, like played quarterback, not like Drew Brees, not like Peyton Manning, not like Tom Brady, but like Russell Wilson. He played yeah. a style of quarterback that only he has really succeeded with for more than a player, too. You know, did, did you see the post game press conference with him after the Bills game? No. Oh, well, you should watch it because he seems very, like, relieved. It almost seemed like a, finally, I've gotten back to my form, and this is, like, who I am. And he looked... It's pretty awesome. Like, it was it was cool to see Russ feel, look, look confident again. Yeah, and that's the thing that's, like, stuck out to me a ton whenever the camera has shown his face the last... Like, even going back to 2021 when we were still... Honestly, going back to 2020... After our offense kind of fell off, 
you know, we had the historic crazy start in 2020. Wilson was on pace for like 70 passing touchdowns and then mm-hmm. we like cratered. I felt like something just looked off in, in his eyes. And I know that's a weird thing to say, but like you watch a guy for so many years, especially in those big moments, and Wilson just always looked so dead focused, like mm-hmm. like a Jordan-esque focus was on mm-hmm. his face. And I, I suddenly didn't see that in him. And I didn't see it in 2021, really. And last year, I I didn't recognize the guy that mm-hmm. I watched on the Broncos. And I feel like this game against the Bills was the first time we had really seen that Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, the guy that will find any way to win. But it's not pretty. It's In fact, it's a lot of times it was really ugly, but he finds a way to win. I honestly, I think they're going to make the playoffs, <clears throat> and I think that they're dangerous. They're dangerous. Wow. That's, that's my hot the prediction. That's my hot take. They do have a pretty <clears throat> soft schedule. If they stick to their run game and play good defense, that's how we won with Russ. They will win with Russ. They are. They don't have to play the Chiefs again. So, and Russ is taking care of the ball better than like every quarterback in the league besides C.J. Stroud. Right they're now. they're five and five. So I mean, they're four and five. Are they four and five? Yeah, they had their bye week. Okay. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, they're, they're playing the, the Vikings Sunday or Monday night game, whatever it is. They're, they're in prime time again this week. It's a sneaky good matchup. Mm-hmm. And, actually, as an NFC team or fans of an NFC team, we should be rooting for the Broncos in that game because we'll be competing for the Vikings for seeding later on down the line. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be a good – you said that's Thursday night? I think it's Sunday or Monday night. Okay. I, th- I think it's Sunday. Night. Oh, it's this week. Though. Yeah, it's, it's this week. <clears throat> yeah, okay, because yeah, the Thursday night games. Yeah. Which in that case, we should probably wrap this one up. Yeah, yeah. It's um, been a good one. Yeah, um, but we're gonna win against the Rams. Win, beat the Rams, get to seven and three, going into the gauntlet against. What was your score prediction? Mine was 27-24. 23-24. All right. Well, that's it from Jonah and myself. Yep. Catch you guys on the next one. Yep. Thanks for listening.